0: Hello and welcome back to the What The Folk Sunland Preview Podcast. The international break is over and Sunderland are very much back as we approach a weekend in London where we take on Queen's Park Rangers at Loftus Road. To help us preview the clash between the sides this weekend is a What The Fork debutant in the shape of Clive from QPR website Loft for Words, which you almost get wrong. It's actually quite hard to say, but how are you doing? Mate? Are you all right?
1: I'm good, I'm good, mate. Yeah, all
0: good. How are you? Getting by, sunny in Glasgow, which is weird. Um, that never happens. See how, it, uh, see how
1: it is after tonight, right? Or is it tomorrow? When is the uh, when is the big one? Tomorrow, tomorrow. night.
0: Right? Uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Hopefully we're toasting an England win. Um, <laughs> but I'll edit that out if we haven't. Um, I think just like ourselves, QPR enjoyed a, a really big morale-boosting victory just before the international break. Obviously went to, to Middlesbrough 1-2-0 at the Riverside. A massive win. and I think a much-needed one from the outside looking in. But, but how was the performance and the, and the win?
1: Yeah. Was much needed. I mean, any points we can put on the board in our current state are much needed. I think there was a hell of a lot of pessimism around QPR before the season began. Uh, so, yeah, having put six points on the board with this weird start we've had with all the away games, um, is it, it certainly exceeded my expectations. I think it's exceeded expectations of just about everybody at the club. Um, and we played all right, you know. the park, We obviously got trounced in the first game and we can maybe go into that And since then, we've changed, basically chucked everything that we did in pre-season just out of the window and started all over again. New shape, system, team, style, the whole just basically started all over again after the Watford debacle. And we've played all right, you know. We've got we won at Cardiff, played really well at Middlesbrough, and deserved to beat them. I know Begovic made a few saves and got in team of the week and whatever, but it wasn't like one of those backs-to-the-wall goalkeeper pulling off heroics. We deserved, we deserved to, to to win that game. Um, and in between those, we lost 2-1 at Southampton, who I know you, I enjoyed watching you guys um, put the rounds of the kitchen through at the weekend because I just think Southampton have had that coming and Russell Martin's so smug, he drives me up the walls. And we we should have won at Southampton the previous week. We missed an absolute boatload of chances at 1-1. And then just concede the goal because Adam Armstrong is like a good is a good player in the box, isn't he? So we were really unlucky at Southampton, and I'm pleased that we went to Middlesbrough, kept playing well, and got the result we deserved on that occasion.
0: Completely echo your sentiments about Russell Martin, but that's another podcast for another day, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Monk is <whacked. laughs> You said it. Um, you touched on the Watford game at the start of the season, and like, look, you you know much more about QPR than I ever will. Um, but when you see the result, you kind of went, because it was before halftime, you four 0 down. You think, oh, all right, okay. And I think many of us, I think in our preview show, I won't lie, I think we did say QPR we thought might be one of the ones that went down. Um, but you have picked up that win at Middlesbrough, which is a big win. You know, I think everyone seemed to think Middlesbrough were going to do well this season, wrong so far. Um, and Cardiff, there's no easier way to win in 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 this league, no matter who you're playing. Um has it been better than expected? It seemed like what you were saying there, it's, it's more than you anticipated, but has it been better than QPR fans expected on the whole, the start of the season?
1: Well, it's been way better than I expected. Um, I'm sort of one of the more pessimistic QPR fans in general. Um, but I, I can never really recall a summer where there's been so much unified pessimism and misery around QPR. You than, than the one we've just had. I mean every season preview that you read had as bottom um we put a, I think I put as fourth bottom in the end and basically played the game of trying to find three worse teams than us and you sort of look at obviously Chef Wednesday are a complete state um Rotherham struggle with the budget that they're they're working off. Huddersfield. I didn't think it was a particularly good idea for Warnock to stick around there for a full season, so I sort of had my fingers crossed, but didn't really believe it. And we'll still take some convincing because the squad just hugely lacks depth, particularly goals and up front. Um, the background is the background is we obviously sold a beer ASA for twenty million quid. We then spent that money and more trying to get promoted a couple of years ago under Mark Warburton and we were sort of kicking around second, third, fourth at the end of January we were unbeaten in January and looked really good bet for the playoffs I quite fancied us that year and then we just blew out at the end of the season and Warburton fell out with everyone and they fell out with Warburton and sacked him so suddenly you've gone from maybe going into the Premier League to back in the middle table of championship and you've sacked your manager and obviously they'd spent the money trying to get promoted that year we lost 25 million quid that year and we haven't sold anyone since Eze. So the Eze sale has rolled out of our three-year FFP calculation, but the £25 million loss from that promotion season is still in. So it basically means there's no money to spend this, this year. We then last year went down the trendy Mick McBeal route and let him sign all of his boys that he'd worked with in academies and breastfed and all. He told all these weird and wonderful stories about how he was at Tyler Roberts Christening and all of this nonsense. And then he got and left to Rangers and the players basically just down tools. They're like, well, we only came to play for Mick and he's gone now. So, you know, balls to QPR. We had people sort of missing for four or five months at a time with calf strains and things like that. So we nearly went down last year. At one point, I think we won two or 28 games at one point last year and probably should have gone down. So that's, and there's no money to do anything about the many, many problems with the team. So we're trying to scrape things together under Ainsworth. Um. Obviously, he did that at Wickham, but played a certain style at Wickham, which, you know, you guys are in League One with it and know all about it and have played it, you know, difficult to play against, to be fair, but not something you'd want to watch, you know, for your 530 quid season ticket week after week. And that's how I saw the season going. No money to do anything about it. Team not good enough. Style of play, horrendous. And we went to Watford and we are 4-0 down at half-time. And having watched us in pre-season, I went to all the pre-season games and on the tour and whatever, it's exactly what I expected us to look like. That is what I thought our season would be. So the way he's turned it around since then, I mean, fair play to him and the players and everybody for turning it around. Because I, after Watford, I was like, that is exactly what I thought we would be this season. I think every game is going to be like that. And I don't see where we're going to get a win from. And then lo and behold, we went to Cardiff and won the next game. So either that shows what I know, or it shows the sort of scale of the turnaround that they've managed to do from the pre-season in that first week to now.
0: We will get on to, to Mick Beale because that's really interesting. But before we do, Ainsworth, in many ways, as I said the off air, felt like, you know, he's the open shirt, the snakeskin Chelsea boots, reminiscent of kind of our hatred of our time in League One. And he felt like the final boss. And lo and behold, we got him as like the League One Robotnik in um, the League One playoff final. And what defeat him to end the stay in the abyss, and as it was, it, it did happen. But he's he's in the championship. He's he's kicking about. He's suited Wickham for many many years, and he's played that style that like you touched before. He's came to QPR after being linked for what felt like forever, actually, with QPR because of his connection with QPR. Finally went there last year. I've got one friend who's a QPR fan who I wouldn't say he's not a fan of him, but he was just like just a bit embarrassing, really. And we all seen the video that came out of. I can't remember who it was, but it was someone doing the hacker or something like that. It was, yeah, my it was <laughs> just very odd stuff. But from the outside looking in, I'm not really sure if I can judge how any QPR fan feels about him because as a player, obviously you really liked him. As a manager, he's a he's more mate. I think at the best. But what's QPR fans' thoughts on on Ainsworth and you know his time that he's had so far?
1: So yeah, Ainsworth. I mean, like was just a hugely, hugely popular player at QPR. Was involved in the team that came back from League One and administration into the Championship under Ian Holloway, just a brilliant QPR team that we all loved. Um, Mark Burcham, Lee Cook, Kevin Gallon, all of that, like Danny Shittu, just, yeah, horrible team to play against, exhilarating team to watch with Rollins and Ainsworth on both wings remember coming up to Sunderland early one season, actually, and Martin Rowland scored the, what we thought was going to be our goal of the season before half-time dribbled past three Sunderland players. And then after half-time, Furlong scored a better one, charged, charged through from the halfway line. Um, so, yeah, it was a great team and we loved it and Ainsworth was a big part of it. So since he's been at Wickham, every time the jobs come up, his name has figured in a way that he probably wouldn't for other championship teams, because I think other championship teams looked at how Wickham played and just thought, you know, that's not going to translate to any other club. It just, it suited Wickham because of the expectations and the budget that they've got there. But any other champion, you're like, nah. So Amesworth, Amesworth pitch is that he only played like that because he had no money to work with and he had Akinfenwa up front. So that's what you have to do. And then he came to QPR and just tried, he just tried to do exactly that. Like whatever he said, it, he was he was trying to play like that. The Even the wins we did get, that kept us up last year, like Burnley just got an, a, a miraculous win there with 19% of the possession and then went to Stoke the week after and won with 18% possession. Like, and some of the stats, like Tim Irubin and our sort of all-star England youth international, alone from Aston Villa last year, played central midfield in the Burnley game. And uh, attempted one pass in 67 minutes of football with a completion rate of naught percent And that was your central midfielder. And the, <laughs> the following week at Stoke, I was looking at the who scored site at our team. And it was like three, four, five, five, three, four. I was like, these are really low ratings for a team that's won 1 0. And then I realized it was actually attempted passes. And you just like, nobody got into double figures on the day. So it was just, it was. And then we've come back this season and basically tried to do the same thing again. And Watford just took us apart on the opening day. And the story goes that Ainsworth was steaming into them in the dressing room after the 4-0 defeat. And somebody or some bodies basically stood up and said, we're not Wickham. This group of players, you know, are not going to be able to play like that. If you don't change, this is going to go horribly, horribly wrong. And he sort of went away for two days and they came back in on Tuesday and have just completely changed style, shape you know, we're actually all right to watch now. I'm hoping that continues this weekend and you guys are sort of quite surprised by how we look compared to how we did. Um, Yeah, so if it keeps going like that, because you can burn off a lot of credit at QPR playing like direct long ball football. I mean we've been so bad for so long, it's a bit sanctimonious to pretend there's a QPR way to play. Like, you know, West Ham fans pretend, you know, Academy of Football, all that. So I wouldn't go that far. But if you are just pegging it long and sticking Chris Martin up front and, you know, people will get fed up with that really, really quickly, unless you're winning basically every game. So he was burning off a lot of credit doing that. But I think everybody over the last sort of three, four games has been really impressed and actually, given what he's working with, budget-wise and squad-wise, to be playing the way we are and picking the results up that we are, it's sort of changed the mood around the place and changed a lot of the mood towards him. And there's sort of the feeling that maybe he is the right guy for the right time after all, which, well, I certainly didn't feel like that sort of a month ago.
0: I think it's, again, we probably have a bit more of a vested interest in Our Vested interest is probably the wrong word, but because of our history in League One and yada, yada, yada and everything I said before... I think you looked at Ainsworth and you thought, oh God, that's going terrible. But like I saw sort a of look through QPR's season last season. And I think many people remember it because of a lot of it hit the headlines. I think it's easy to forget from an outsider's perspective. that you had a manager and and Michael Beale who, as he said, was the man who can't leave first. Everyone's invested in him. And then he left first. And he flirted with that Wolves job and then he made a big statement. And then he went to Rangers and Sonia lives up in in Scotland. He hasn't really done much up here either, to be completely honest. But I think, obviously, when you bring in a manager, that you you put a lot of time, effort, and probably a lot of faith in as a fan as well, because um, he came with a good reputation. And he leaves within about five minutes after flirting, I think, with every job previously um, before he did go. After such a promising start, it must have quite a large effect no matter who you bring in so whilst people look at Ainsworth and the Hacker video and all that and you think oh Ainsworth's not really done that well last season it's going to be difficult how much did that entire McBeal saga actually affect QPR away from whoever you appointed well nearly I mean like I say it should have relegated
1: as nearly big relegators I you know we we were certainly the worst team in that league over the second half of the season so we should have gone down um the hacker video is is part of it, you know, because what QPR what QPR do so often is they bring a manager in and let him know and let him have what he wants, but then the manager doesn't stick around. So you bring another manager in and you let him have what he wants and he doesn't stick around either because you fire. We change managers too often and we change managers from one type of manager to another. So you go from, like, since we've been back in this division, we came back in with Chris Ramsey who himself replaced Harry Redknapp. I mean, just two more polar opposite characters and styles you could never hope to, to sort of meet. You know, we had Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, who was very, very f- sort of fitness, defensive. We went from him to Ian Holloway, who was just nuts. And then we went from Ian Holloway to Steve McLaren, who's just completely the other way. And then you go, and it it's just all over the map. And if you're letting these people bring in their own players all the time, then your squad just becomes... This massive disparate collection of half a dozen players signing different windows by different managers for different reasons. We had three years under Mark Warburton, which counts as stability at QPR. I think that guy gets a carriage clock for doing three years at Loftus Road. And you could at least tell the style and what he wanted to do, and the signings were coherent. But again, you know, you were letting Warburton bring in his own players and people he'd worked with before, like Oda Dominic Ball, people like that, Lee Wallace. So again, there's upheaval. There's upheaval when he leaves, and they they brought me. But this is all while you've got a director of football, by the way. So there's meant to be this coherence across. You're not meant to be signing Don Ball because Mark Walbert and worked with him in the academy at Watford and knows his dad. You know, the director of football system is there to stop that happening. But we're just we've been so prone to that for for so long, and it's a big a big part of our problem, in my opinion. You then. I mean, Warburton, to be fair, like he spent the money, we didn't get promoted, so they, so they fired him. But if you look at his final league positions of 13th, 9th and 11th, that's exactly where we should have been for the money we spent. So I'm always a bit, should you be sacking a manager who's powering the course? Probably not. Having done that, they brought McBeal in. Big, trendy, apparently interviewed so well. Um, they They were after Neil Critchley from Blackpool that summer. And I'm some sort of through a mutual friend because Critchley had worked with him at Liverpool. When he heard that McBeal had been for an interview, he just said to my mate, Well, I won't be getting that. Because apparently, as soon as McBeal gets you in the room with his bloody PowerPoint presentation, all these fireworks go off, and you just fall deeply in love with McBeal, which is what we did. And then, like I say, spent last summer letting him just bring in all of his own players um, Tyler Roberts, Ethan Laird, Timmy Rubinen. You know, the only one that's been moderately successful is Kenneth Powell, the, the, the Dutch left-back we've got. And like all of them, Leon Baligan the absolute sort of worst-case scenario, all of them just down tools as soon as he left. Like some of them literally, like Tyler Roberts was out for five months with a calf strain. It's just that like, oh, I've got a bit of a calf problem. Five months, because basically Daddy Mick had had left him and he just wasn't asked about playing for QPR. So that's the situation that Ainsworth inherited here. We obviously Critchley came in, couldn't get a tune out of them basically called them out publicly, said what I've just said, said their is in the bin, they're not asked. You know, I'm not here to be part of mediocrity, they need to buck their ideas up. So they just immediately turned around and said, well, we're not having you either. And mm. Lost 12 games in a row. So he got sacked. So Angelus inherited that entire clusterfuck. And the hacker, I know he got mocked for it. <clears throat> I know he got mocked for it, but that was basically trying to come up with the most humiliating, embarrassing thing for those players to see which ones would do as they were told and buy in and go with him and sort of engage with it and who was at the back giggling. So I know it looked ridiculous. And I know we then lost 6-1 at Blackpool, which didn't bloody help. (laughs) But I could kind of see where he was coming from because that is the situation he inherited here, a large squad of people that didn't want to be here. And he was trying to work out which ones would go with him and which ones wouldn't. So there was some method to that absolute madness.
0: Completely forgot that Critchley existed.
1: Yeah, so, well, he basically, he basically didn't at QPR. <laughs> Bless I him. But, yeah, I mean, just on a hide into nothing from the moment he got here. But
0: Bless him. I think, you know, when you look at QPR, the, the thing you'll have lived the entire every single week as you do as a football fan. But when you looked at last season, I mean, things were like, things that you were touching were turning to gold at the start. Like near the top of the league, your goalkeeper scores a diving header at Sunderland after you've been probably dominated for 83 minutes or at least not the better theme you score a free kick prior to that near the top of the league and then I blinked and three months later I was like oh god are going down what's going on there but what was last season like as a QPR fan we've discussed the things and the reason why it happened but what was it actually like because I know it can really take a toll on you as a football fan especially when you're like us and you do podcasts and you do um written pieces it can really take a can on it
1: yeah, I mean, I'm very much, Lothar Woods is very much sort of writing about the fan experience from the sort of emotions and following the team around the country point of view, as opposed to the data analytics side of things. We do a little bit of that, but other accounts do it better, better than me. So I don't, I don't really, f- the only thing I would say on the data analytics side is I know the sort of XG evangelists don't like or trust teams that are scoring a lot of long range goals. And if you look at the games that we were winning, Sunderland's a prime example. We scored, we scored a direct free kick for the first time in three years, and equalized with a header from the goalkeeper. So your XG on those two, I don't know, but it's 0.0 point naught something. Um, you know, we won at we won at Millwall with a, a goal from outside the box. Chris, we beat Middlesbrough at home with goals from outside the box, and and what we're told, and you know is that that stuff doesn't sustain. So we were probably a little bit high anyway, although to go from whatever we did, eight wins in 10 to two wins in 28, was um, was quite something and very QPR. Um, I don't know. I went to every game last year and like had wrote, wrote about them, each one of them for Loft words as I do. And yeah, it, it, took a, it basically turned my hobby into a job. Um, and by the end of it, I was every bit as sort of pissed off and stressed and tired and fed up with it as you would be if you'd be just been working long shifts at a job, um, and the worst bit coming back to what I said before is you could just tell that the players, the players weren't, the players just didn't want to be there. They didn't care, um, and that's very very difficult when you're travelling up to Preston on December the eighteenth. We went to last, and tra- the train strikes as well, like having to drive everywhere. Just everything about the league last year, the fact that every away game was basically Preston, wasn't it? We had Blackpool-Burnley, Blackburn, Preston, Wigan, Stoke, all in the league at the same time. So it's the same journey on the same dreadful train amongst the train strikes over and over again just to watch QPR lose and lose and lose. FA Cup third round draw comes around, you think, oh, maybe we'll get somebody interesting in this. We got Fleetwood away. It's bloody Preston again. It's like Blackpool, but further. It's Blackpool, but out at sea. And so it was just, it's one of those seasons where basically anything that could go wrong did. And then towards the end, it turned very toxic, obviously, in a way. And, you know, you're getting beat 3-1 at Rotherham and you've got fans turning on each other and turning on the players and things like that. It was just sort of a hateful, hateful experience that by the end, I probably would have sacked a few games off if it hadn't been for the website. And by the time it got round to May, I was just like, I'm not sure I can do this anymore. And I've never been less excited about the dawning of a new season than this one. I was like, oh God, it feels like about 20 minutes. I can't believe we're about to do all this again. Um, So at least Ainsworth got the team going a little bit. At least it looks like it cares about what it's doing. And he's picking up the odd result here and there because... None of that was the case last season. It was just a hateful, horrible experience.
0: So funny. like It's not recently. It's been the opposite for Sunderland, but I can definitely understand and appreciate everything that you're saying there. Just Sunderland about six, seven years ago. Um, Talking about Sunderland players of the past, I do like to look through transfer windows. I was actually really shocked to see the name Jack Callback within that list. Um, Obviously, he's really well known to Sunderland, former academy product, came through our system, then ventured to the dark side. He's been out of the Northeast for years, though. to be fair, I think he's been with um with Forrest, but he appears to have started incredibly well at QPR. And I think he's got two and three. Um, how impressive has the man who we affectionately call Piss Biscuit been for <laughs> QPR? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, amazing. Um,
1: well, one of the, th- one of the things we've talked about, about QPR for a long time is the just complete lack of leadership and voice in the team. Um, we get bullied easily by opponents and referees, in my opinion, because we just never say anything to anybody. Um, I think we came through all the, the whole of last season when you're meant to be scrapping for survival and whatever. I think we got through the whole of last season without a red card. I need to double-check that, but I don't, I don't think anybody even got sent off. I think the only time, when we were getting beat 3-0 by Sunderland, we spent the last 10 minutes kicking people up in the air out of frustration, and that was that was the only time I saw any fight in us at all. And by that time, we are 3-0 down anyway, so it's a bit bloody late, isn't it? So, we've needed voice, experience, physicality, street smarts, particularly this season. And Ainsworth basically spent whatever budget he had in the summer on doing that, just coagulant for that bit of the team. So, Colback at the bottom of the midfield, Steve Cook, Morgan Fox, centre backs, and Begovic in goal. It's just gone mega, mega experience and stodge just to try and provide us with that level of experience and now some street smarts that we'd been sadly lacking. And yeah, they've started really, really well. The problem you've got, firstly, is you've had to give them two-year contracts to get them here. When ideally you would only have been offering one. So we're already sort of spending next year's money today, which isn't ideal. Um and the squad's very, very, very thin. There's very little strength in depth. If you look at our bench, it's basically all, all kids are we going to be okay trying to get through 48 games with, you know, Jack Colback's basically going to have to play every game. Steve Cook's already injured, probably going to have to play every game when he's fit. Uh, you know, relying on players of that age through a long championship winter might be difficult, but overall on the face of it and how they've started, they're exactly what we needed and they've started very, very well.
0: Counted, I think, and this is only using Wikipedia, which is, basically the, the strength of my research but 30 outgoings yes that includes young players like more experienced ones and a whole mix of them but how new look is this QPR side compared to maybe what we would have saw last season
1: um well there's a look there's a different look and feel about it since the Watford game um Paul Smith wasn't here last year was at Orient and has come back and he's playing sort of right wing back and has been playing really, really well and has been key to the turnaround. The centre of the defence has just been completely ripped up and started again because, I mean, you saw us at Loftus Road last year, like Jimmy Dunn, who's injured, but he got torched. Rob Dickey basically had a mental breakdown last season. Senny Diang, a little bit too much footballer lifestyle and a little bit too little footballer, uh, perhaps, in, in his case, and has gone to Middlesbrough and basically conceded every shot he's faced so far. So uh, so that the whole middle of the defence and middle of midfield has been just completely ripped up and started again. Paul Smith going up and down the right has been really good. And we've got the young kid Sinclair Armstrong up front, who's raw as hell, but he's, he's a lot of fun. He's quick and powerful and awkward to play against. And Cardiff, Ipswich really couldn't cope with him at all. Give give Southampton a hard time. wasn't quite as good at Millsborough, but he's a handful. So what with Smith and Armstrong, there's a bit more pace in the team because we've been slow on top of everything. It's basically since prior to say Samuel left, we haven't had any pace in the team. So Ainsworth has tried to get that in there. Um, we're certainly a better team than we were when you played us in February. I mean, that was just a biblically awful performance, but one of several of that ilk. So... I would, I'm hoping if we can keep the recent improvements up. We've start, The other thing is we've started with all-away games because our pitch wasn't ready. So that, you know, it is a little bit Fred Carno's army at QPR at the minute. You know, we didn't even have the pitch ready for the opening day. So we had to had to play an away game instead. So this is actually Sunderland-Swansea next week. It's the first time we've had a couple of home games. And I'm really hoping we can continue the performances in the good form in these two home games because our home form is... I think it's like one win in 17 now, one win in 16, 17. Like five goals we scored at the Loft End last year, two of which were penalties. So it's been hard going off to throw to watch QPR. Like, haven't scored three goals in a game for a year. Haven't scored more than one at home for nearly a year now. Um so I'm actually sort of looking forward with some trepidation. There is a little bit of me thinks that this system and the way we're playing suits away games better than home, but I, hope, I obviously hope I'm wrong about that and we can bring some of the positives we've seen in the last couple of games into into these, these two we've got coming this weekend. Because obviously, after you, Swansea haven't started well at all. So it'd be nice to to put some points on the board and just chill everybody out a little bit more.
0: I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um under Warburton, playoff contenders give or take dropped out a little bit. You spend time at the top last season, then you start fighting relegation. What would be deemed as success for QPR this season? Like stay I said, yeah, I thought just, not just,
1: up. just staying up because I didn't really expect us to stay up, and have been pleasantly surprised with how we've played over the last three or four games. So I'm hoping we can keep that up. Find three worse teams than us and just get out of here and never speak about it again. The FFP situation that I talked about earlier. The good thing is that after this year, the twenty-five million pound loss rolls out of the um of the calculation. So hopefully next summer won't quite be as tight as this one. And if Ainsworth's been able to sort of build the the Gareth with football club you know with the spirit and the buy in and the backs to the wall and then we've got a little bit of fap headroom next summer to add a little bit of quality we might be able to start moving off in the right direction but yeah if you offered me fourth bottom now I'd definitely just shake your hand and say yeah that's that's fine
0: i think i knew the answer there but i asked it anyway um two quite entertaining games last year not for you maybe the second one but the first one obviously 2-2 two, two draw a uh, glorious sunny day I remember that I remember um have many disagreements about how we wouldn't be struggling for relegation someone thought we would. I've never seen the guy since because i like to prove him wrong, but nonetheless. um, But there were two really entertaining games. And I think, you know, our 3-0 win, you could see how things had changed an awful lot for you um, from the game that we played previously. But, but how do you see the game going on on Saturday? We're both going in with really morale-boosting wins, probably slightly different expectations for the season. But, you know, nonetheless, how do you see it going?
1: quite fancied us until I watched you play Southampton. <laughs> no, no, not so much. Um, like I say, I'm interested to see what we look like because at home we've been dreadful for months and months and months and months and I'm wondering whether this new style that Ainsworth's got, which does look quite good, is better suited to away games. So I'm just fascinated to see how we set up, what we look like, how it works in a home game. Um, yeah, I mean, nervous because you can't go to Loftus Road the way we've been playing over the last year with any sort of expectation. Um so yeah, I'm just nervous. I mean, I'm nervous about it. But like I'm in a, I'm in a much better place than I was a month ago. It would just be nice to go to our home ground and play like the home team and actually get a result because like like I say, go on soccer base and look through our home results over the last year. It's been a long it's been a long old 12 months. Um the only win we did get in those 16 or 17 games was one nil against Watford, and it was a proper Ainsworth, got an early goal. And then just sat in our own penalty area for 80 minutes and tried to play it out and scrap it out. So even the one-nil win that we did get was pretty traumatic. Um I think I fancy is more in the Swansea game than the Sunderland game, but just we it'd be great if we could just put another win on the board in one of these two home games and just Ames was very big on like getting everyone together. When he was at Loftus Road before, I think when he when he was a player here, we went a year without losing a game at Loftus Road. it's like the polar opposite to now. And I think he wants that sort of buy-in and atmosphere that you can get going in that ground. So really difficult ground to play in as a home player if it's not going well, because you can hear everything that's said. Um, loads of players have told us that, is that we, you know, we can hear you. <laughs> and um, by the same token, when things are going well, it's like the best place ever, because you can really get on get on the back of the opposition and back the home team. But yeah, when it goes quiet and people are bitching and moaning, it's a horrible, tough place to play. So I know he wants to sort of get it revved up and he's got two home games coming off this international break to to try and do that. So yeah, some trepidation, but I feel a lot better about things than I did a month ago.
0: One player that scored twice against you last year, Jack Clark, former QPR player, which I completely forget about, to be honest. Um I don't think it was a particularly successful time. But who are the players that when you have watched something recently and obviously in recent memory that, you know, concern you the most?
1: Yeah, Jack Jack Clark's such a weird one. We got him on loan. Um, picked him where Sunderland picked him once for the last 10 minutes of the home game against Bristol City and he was brilliant and I think we lost the game 1-0 but if he'd been on 10 minutes longer he would have got us something out of it it was amazing Um, and then we never picked him again and on the odd occasions he did come on he never played that position again Um, so yeah um, him basically particularly after what happened last year although I mean, he finished the chances last year, didn't it? The big thing last year was bringing Diallo off the off the bench against us, which is just cruel, to be honest. Um, so I'm pleased. I'm pleased he's not uh, not still hanging around. I'm interested in Sunderland. Like you, you pick up all these uh, weird and wonderful young kids from all over Europe, and it's interesting at the start of the season to sort of see who's going to be the the next one that clicks and and takes the division by storm. So we'll we'll get more of a clue on that. This weekend, I guess, obviously look really good against Southampton. Although, like I say, I think Southampton have had a reason if not a 5-0, then certainly a-, a defeat coming. I think they've got out of jail a couple of times, basically, because they've got two £20 million forwards. Like che Adams scored, what, 86 at Sheffwed and 90 at Plymouth. Armstrong scored against us and whatever. I think they've got out of jail while, you know, Martin's been dick swinging. So they definitely had a defeat coming. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if you guys can follow up that performance, obviously I hope not Um, but yeah the other one that I just love at Sunderland and he's so QPR, I can't believe he hasn't played for QPR particularly he was at bloody Watford, Wieldston and Wickham Wickham who we take players from all the time obviously is Luke 09 I just, he was such a little bastard in the Loftus Road game last year but I just sat there and said that is everything that we have not got just someone breaking stuff up and being horrible and niggly and knows when to stop the game and knows when to kick someone and just horrible little pesty bastard. Um. So as much as he ground my gears last year, I, d- I mean, I've always loved him and I, d- I thought he was great at Loftus Road last year. And I suppose that's basically what we're asking Colback to come in here and do and be for us because we just haven't had a player like that. And every time I see 0-9, I'm like, God, I wish we'd just spent the £200,000 when he was at Wickham. But I think we were in our let's give Joey Barton £60,000 a week phase at that stage so we weren't really shopping in that market when we should have
0: been. Yeah, I love Luke. Yeah, I think we all do, to be fair, for exactly the reasons you've just said. But before I let you go, I've always got to go with predictions. I've had kind one of right so far this year, which is probably in tandem with what I've done recently. So I'll go first as always. Um, I do fancy a win. I'm feeling positive. You always do after a 5-0 and a national break to sit and kind of B in that 5 0 win. So I'll take a I'll take a one-nil something. I think I'll be quite happy with that. But I have a feeling you might feel a bit different. I'm
1: gonna I think I've put a draw in our preview, although we might change my mind as the week goes on. I think if we can get a draw out of this and then beat Swansea and sort of get up and running with four points at the start of this post-international break and solve our home hoodoo with a sort of win and a draw from these two games, I'd be pretty happy with that. And I've like I say, I fancy there's more in the Swansea game than the Sunderland game. So I think I've put one one. and which is ridiculously optimistic by my standards, by the way.
0: Well, apparently, if I had all my predictions right last year, we would have finished second off top. So I think I'm the the incorrectly optimistic <laughs> one, apparently. But, um, Clive, before I let you go, I think a lot of fans like kind of gorging on the opposition stuff um, after a game, be that a win, a draw or whatnot, for various different reasons. But I'm sure they'll be interested in reading, obviously, your thought on the game afterwards. So where can we find your stuff and, and love for words if we want to afterwards?
1: loftforwords.co.uk it's basically four thousand words on everything don't like yeah proper old school long form written journalism and uh, you know no no vlogging let's say that's <laughs> <laughs> if, if you want four thousand words on saturday i'm your guy if you i mean if you want if you want a youtube video probably not um yeah, it's, it'll just be sort of office and Alan Partridge jokes mixed in with a sort of match report across 4,000 words. So sort of analytics and tacticos or whatever they're called and talking about people taking things on the half turn and whatever. It's probably not going to be that. But yeah, uk if that sort of floats your boat.
0: Sounds like my kind of thing. Thanks very much for popping on, mate. Appreciate it.
1: No worries. Cheers. Uh, I would say good luck, but obviously, no,
0: don't. No, of mean. course. Standard <laughs>